The topic is generosity. And even more specifically, what we're going to be talking about today is the reach of generosity. Now, as we get started, here's what I believe I know about you. You want to be a generous person. We all want to be a generous person. Now, I'm not saying that you are or that I am. What I'm saying is that we would all love to be generous people. I heard very recently the story of a woman who got a bonus check from work, several hundred dollars, and she cashed it and took that money with her when she went to the local diner. And after her lunch, she gave her server all several hundred dollars of her bonus as a tip. That's pretty amazing. Who, who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to get that if you're the server? We all want to be those sorts of people. We want to live with that sort of generosity. But, but if we're honest, we would, many of us have to say, that's really got no connection to my life whatsoever. I mean, there's some reasons that I'm not generous, you might say. And I want to point out a couple of those just to, you know, get the elephant in the room out into the open. A couple of hindrances that, that often stand in our way when it comes to being generous people. And the first of those is this attitude right here that says, I can't. One of the hindrances to being generous is this idea that I can't. After all, Pastor Jeff, I've got bills to pay. I've got mouths to feed and I've got a limited income. And there's just no more month left at the end of the money and, or no money left at the end of the month or however you want to say it and think of it. I just don't have what I need. As much as I would love to be a generous person, I can't be a generous person. And it might not just be for you that it's kind of a month-to-month thing. It might be a goal-to-goal thing that has you hung up in this idea of I can't because there are certain things that you might anticipate are coming for the future. For you, it might be, well, college is in the future or there might be a marriage for me in the future or some kind of surprise that's coming up in the future or a child that's coming in the future or a surprise child that might come in the future. Or maybe I'll lose my job or maybe retirement, you know, eventually that's going to come. And I don't know how much all of that is going to cost. And so the only way that I can do my best to be ready for those days and for those circumstances when they arrive is to make sure that I squirrel away everything I possibly can in the moment so that I'll be ready for that time when it comes. We're saying to ourselves, I can't be generous if I'm going to be responsible about the future. So one of the hindrances to being generous is simply this idea that I can't be Another hindrance isn't I can't, it's I won't. You know that if you wanted to be, you could be more generous with the things that you have. But you might say to yourself, well, I worked pretty hard to earn those things, and why would I ever want to just give them away to somebody else or to something else? Or maybe your perspective would be the person who I might give it to is in need probably because they did something foolish to put themselves in need. And so I'd just be supporting them in their foolishness if I did. So it's not I can't for me, it's I won't for me. And the thing about I can't and I won't thinking is that they're very different things, but they ultimately come to the same conclusion which says I'm not going to do anything in a generous capacity toward anyone or toward anything. 
And we get hung up in that thinking and we get stalled in that sort of perspective. But here's the thing I'm wondering about. What if we could have the best of both worlds? What if there was a way that we could be generous people and yet at the same time have a secure future? Would that interest you? Of course it would. It would interest all of us. And I believe that there is something that we can look at today to get ourselves there. Because what I know about you is that you want to be generous. How do we get there? Well, instead of just looking this, at this in the abstract, let's go ahead and take a look at a real-life example that will help us to see how somebody else handled their circumstance that might just teach us a little something about our own as well. In this example, we're going to see the reach of generosity and how it runs counter to the idea that if I'm generous, somebody else is going to be helped, but it's going to be a loss for me. Because me giving toward them so that their life is enriched is going to make my life more difficult. Because I'll be learn or losing what I otherwise might have had for myself. But that's exactly the perspective that keeps us from being generous. And I think today we can turn that on its head because of this truth right here. That generosity addresses a burden without becoming one. Generosity addresses a burden without becoming one. And to see this in action, I want to take a look at a group of people who lived in a place called Philippi. And the Apostle Paul had been through that area and had planted a church. And, and the occasion that we're talking about today is him writing a letter that we call Philippians, a letter written to Philippi, Philippians. And it's essentially a thank you letter that Paul is writing to them for the generosity that they have demonstrated. And I want to show it to you. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you'd like to use one of the Bibles provided for you, you can find it in this place. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19 is essentially where we're going to be today. And in those Bibles provided for you under the seats or in front of you, depending on what venue or uh, auditorium you are in, one of these page numbers might help you as well. You can go to the Uversion app. You can go to the Pathway app. You can access all of this material right there. There's also an outline in your bulletin that you can use page there to jot some things down as we go. So the Apostle Paul, as we have discussed before, was very bold in his preaching about Jesus as being the Lord of all and needing to be the Lord of all of our lives. But the religious elites of his day weren't very pleased with this idea that they had to be subject to anybody and come under the lordship of anyone. And so they had some tough, you know, tussles with the Apostle Paul and Paul didn't really back down and then they trumped up some things and so Paul ends up landing in prison and being in prison is not a very pleasant place to be it's dark and it's dank and it's horrible and you can bet contrary to what the song says there was no one in the wholesale block dancing to the jailhouse rock none of that was going on all right this is an awful situation for him to be in and Paul in that situation needed to provide for his own needs but he can't work because he's in prison he can't earn any money and so he's kind of stuck but he's got to provide for his own needs because it's not like today where if you get thrown in prison the government pays for everything for you it wasn't that way the prisoner was responsible to pay for himself in this situation Paul couldn't do that and so that's when the Philippians stepped up and did what nobody else would do and they sent money along to provide for him in his need the church was a huge blessing and that's really what this letter has 
to talk about and what Paul is saying to them. So let's take a look at a little bit of it and see what he says here. Again, this is in chapter 4. When this letter was written, it wasn't written as chapter 1, chapter 2. It was just a letter, like you would write a letter. Later on, we went back and we added chapters and verses to it so that we would be able to access it more quickly and easily. So this is in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. It says this, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. This is a very nice gesture on their part to make sure that Paul's needs were met. But you need to understand that this is going way beyond them just providing him with some head and shoulders and old spice and a few pair of fruit of the loom. And it's more than that. Yes, it is meeting his practical needs, but it's also providing for him the food that was necessary that he might be fed so that he might stay healthy so that he could carry on the ministry that he was all about carrying on. What was that? Well, it's in part sharing the gospel. See, how does he do that when he's in prison? Well, whoever came near enough to hear you can bet that he was preaching to how would you like to be one of the apostle paul's guards you'd got evangelized over and over and over and uh, not only that but uh, also what he is doing while he's in prison is he is writing letters paul is the author of about half of the new testament a lot of which he wrote while he was in prison and so what's happening here is that the generosity of the Philippian church is actually benefiting the world at that time who's receiving the truth of the scriptures that Paul is writing to them. Which also by extension, if you stop to think about it, means that the generosity of the church in Philippi has been a generosity toward you and toward me. Because we have this same scripture that we're enjoying, that we are learning from. That's how far generosity can extend itself. In fact, at the very beginning of this letter, it's interesting the way that Paul speaks of those who are there in Philippi. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your, what's the word? Partnership, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's saying, you are my partners in ministry. Well, how are they partners? They didn't go to meet him there in prison. They didn't argue for his release. They didn't help him preach. They are simply partners with him because of their generosity. He's saying, I thank God for the way that you are a partner with me in this. And it works exactly the same way today. I'm so grateful for the people of Pathway who give generously because as you do, you are making ministry happen in this place. It is because so many of you are so generous that we are able to do the work of the ministry here, that we can launch a, a Thursday night service, which is going very well, by the way. If you haven't been yet, I encourage you to. And certainly, if you're going to be gone on a weekend, please come the Thursday before, before you ever leave for the weekend, so that you can be a part of what's going on at Pathway. We've got several people who've already been doing that, and it, it just encourages my heart greatly. You do it also, if you would. But it, it helps us to launch something like that, or to keep two campuses going in different venues. When you 
you give generously, our children's ministry thrives and is able to grow forward. And we're able to minister to all sorts of different people. And it keeps our youth ministry going. Do you know how difficult it is to be a teen growing up today? Well, we want to partner with parents. And that's happening because of the generosity of people just like you who are making that happen. And the same thing with college students, all the way to our prime timers ministries, to those who are... Uh, who are involved in circumstances of grief or divorce or addiction, that we might be able to step up and come alongside them and assist them, or in sending missionaries full-time around the globe, or sending our short-term teams to go different places. We just had one return from the Dominican Republic. There's another one going to Panama soon, or to Canada. We just had one return from Kenya as well. And it's as you are giving generously that these things are able to happen. Or many of you, in fact, most of you got on board with our all-in initiative. And as you did that, you were doing a number of things like taking water to, I think we have a slide here, or a thank you slide that comes from people in Liberia. Thank you, Pathway Church, and, and the well that you provided through your generosity. And it's not just clean water, it's the living water of Jesus that goes along with that. Or your generosity in All In allowed us to put in place the children's building where there is now a special needs ministry we never were able to do before. And there's the playland that is drawing people, just the playland itself, drawing people into relationship with Pathway and ultimately with Jesus and so much further that went. And also your involvement there helped to develop and move forward our partnership in Orkarkar in Kenya, which some of us have just returned from a couple of days ago. And uh, this is uh, just, let me just give you the briefest of little uh, reports of some of what happened there. This is, this is an assembly before school one day, and a lot of the students are out there. Um, but the school there, which we put in place, which had zero students five years ago, today, we just found out this last week, has 337 students. That's amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. That's what's happening because of your generosity. Don't sell that short at all. It wouldn't have happened apart from that. We had a great celebration with them one day while we were there in, in the village and people gathered around from the community. Hundreds and hundreds of people were there. And I shared a greeting with them from you. I shared that greeting and I told them that a lot of you aren't able to come and travel with us, but you've been generous in making a reality the things that have been happening there in that village. And they said, Pastor Jeff, say hello to Pathway Church for me, for us, and thank them for their generosity. And so I do that to you. As a part of that, we had the, the children who were doing men or boys and girls here were dressed in some traditional Maasai garb and uh, they were doing some dances and some singing. I mean, if you, have, if you haven't been, you've got to go. I mean, the experience is so absolutely amazing. You've got to come and be a part of that in the future and there will be opportunities for you. This is the new pastor, uh, Pastor Eric and his wife Sylvia and two of their three children. This is Abigail and Phineas and it was great to meet them and you're helping to provide for them. Your generosity is helping to have a pastor there in this community and they're doing great things, and things are happening. Just so much is going on in that place. Toward the end of the week, we had just a little bit of rain, and uh, this was the site just over some of the school and just over the whole of the village. It was just, it was just sort of a, a bookend to the idea that God is overseeing 
all that is happening there in that place. It's absolutely amazing. The Apostle Paul is thanking the church in Philippi for their partnership in the gospel, and I thank you for your partnership in the gospel as well. Apart from the generosity of the people of this church, ministry here and around the world just simply does not happen. So thank you for that and continue to press forward. But as we said earlier, the blessing of generosity is not just a one-way street where if I'm going to be generous towards someone, it's a one-way street in their direction. It's a loss for me and a gain for them. It is so much not that. I think of it more actually as a roundabout of generosity. So there's something that initiates the roundabout, but it just keeps coming around and it keeps blessing. And then there's some offshoots of that that blessing that go off into additional benefit for other people. And there are actually a few that I want to point out to you that Paul mentions right here in this text. Some of these blessings of generosity. All right. The first of those actually comes in verse 17. It says this, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What he's saying is that the first who is blessed is the giver. That's very interesting. He's saying it's the one who's giving who is the one that's blessed. That might not seem to compute with you right from the start, but that's exactly what he is saying here. If you have kids and you're trying to teach them to be generous and to give toward others and not just look only to themselves and to their own interests, but also to others, and you catch them doing something like that, being sacrificial toward somebody else and blessing someone else and giving of themselves to make that happen, what are you going to think? I mean, after you pick yourself up off the floor, what are you going to think? You're going to be proud about the fact that they've got it. They learned it, and now they're putting it into practice. Well, the Philippians are Paul's spiritual children here as, as well, and the things that he is celebrating is their generosity. He's celebrating that the giver is one who is receiving a tremendous blessing, and he knows that because their hearts and minds and lives are being changed. Remember what we said before. Our key truth here is that generosity addresses a burden without becoming one. We need to break through the idea and the mindset that says it's only the one who's blessed, or the only one who is blessed is the one who receives. Not so. It's the giver, as he says here. But then he goes on. He's not done. In verse 18, this is what we read. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. The blessing here comes for the receiver. So the giver gets a blessing, and of course the receiver gets a blessing also. That's the one that makes sense to us, right? If you're in need and somebody gives to you and meets that need, you're going to be blessed. It makes perfect sense. The giver is blessed. The receiver is blessed. There's one more thing at the end of verse 18. Here's what we read. They are a fragrant offering. The gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. Saying these la- say these last three words with me. Pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. Who's the one who's blessed here? Well, it's God himself is the one who is blessed here. I wonder, have you ever wondered, is God pleased with the way that I'm living? Is God pleased with the way that I pray? The way that I read his word? Is he pleased with my lifestyle and the way that I engage with other people and the things that I do? 
I think we all wonder that from time to time. Well, here he says, let me give you an objective standard about something. If you give with generosity, he says, it's a fragrant offering, pleasing, he says, to me. If you want to know, follow through in that way. You can know that it's pleasing to God. In these verses, Paul is driving home the power of generosity. He says it's threefold. There's a blessing for the giver, a blessing for the receiver, and a blessing to God himself. Which means that the flip side is also true. That if we refuse to be generous, that we're keeping ourselves from experiencing the blessing as the giver. We're keeping other people from receiving a blessing as being the receiver of what we might have blessed them with. And we're also stealing blessing from God himself. That's what he's saying here. Now, as we've said already, I know that you want to be generous. But you might be still wrestling with this idea of, I can't, Pastor Jeff, look at my finances. I cannot do it. Or I won't do it because there are some things that I just would rather reserve for myself. So some of us are still wrestling with giving this a try, and which is very interesting because I believe that there were people in Paul's day in Philippi who were also wrestling with it. And I think that's why he gives us verse 19, which says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You might be like, oh, I've heard that verse before. I love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses. Might even be my life verse. I love it. I quote it all the time. And God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. It's a fantastic verse. But this might be the first time you've ever really understood the context in which it is given. How's the verse begin? It says, and, and is a conjunction. It links what is coming with what has gone before, which means if you're going to understand verse 19 and what it means for God to meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus, you need to understand verses 14 to 18 and see that the blessing that is being promised in verse 19 comes as a result of the generosity that is being offered in verses 14 through 18. It might be the first you've ever really come to recognize that. That's the promise that He is giving and that's what turns our typical perspective of, I can't, or I won't, right on its head. See, we've been avoiding being generous because we saw it as a way to protect what we have against tomorrow, against the uncertainty of the things that might come, not realizing that as we refuse to do so, we're stealing from ourselves the security that would come for the future. Here's the way that Paul puts an exclamation point on it when he wrote to the church in Corinth. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But I thought if I squirreled away everything that I have, if I say I can't or I won't, and I just make sure that I put it all in my own little pot and save it away, if I sow sparingly, then I'm going to be better off for the future. No. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But that's not the end of the verse. It goes on, it says, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You see what that means. That means a secure future is not secured based on how much I save and just squirrel away. It's based on how much I engage in the program that God is involving me or in inviting me to engage in that that's how we secure the future. I asked earlier if you'd be interested in if you could be both generous and have a secure future. 
And I know all of us would like that as an outcome because what I believe about you is that you want to be generous. And what he is saying here is that that's exactly the way to find security. In fact, it's the only way to find security for the days that are to come. As we've said all along, Pathway has many generous people. And I'm confident that if I called you up here, you would give testimony to what we've just been talking about, that whoever sows generously also reaps generously. I've heard that testimony I don't know how many times from people who are generous with what they have. But it still leaves all the rest of us with this idea or this question of how am I going to engage with this? What am I going to do? And where is it that I would even start? And for many of us, we believe that the Old Testament principle of a tithe is a great place to start. Tithe is just giving 10% of what it is that God has given to you back to Him for the purposes of His work. That's a great starting point, but we've also come to recognize that the blessing of what we have in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus, when he, the way that He blesses, is so amazing and so abundant that we would have a responsibility to go even beyond. But that's the thing that you need to settle for yourself between you and God. I know it's easy to look around Pathway and it's like, man, there are a lot of people there. They must have all the needs met. There must never be a time when there's ever any shortage or anything like that. And that's just simply not the case. I've been around here long enough to see that God typically works in seasons in our midst. And there are seasons where he has certain people who are really helping to, to move the ball on down the field. Now, Pathway as a whole has always been a church about all of us doing what we can to get to the end goal instead of just a few people being deep pockets who really make it happen around here. It's never been that way. It's always been all of us together. But there are always different levels where people are at based on, you know, what their 10% of what one person gives is going to be different from 10% of another. And there are seasons when sometimes people move away or people retire. And so that leads to a little bit of a lull. And that's the season that we've been experiencing recently. But inevitably, God in those seasons also brings along other people who choose then to step up to the plate and help us to take the ball on down the field. And that may be you today, that God is speaking to. Now, I know that people come and they start attending Pathway, and it's the rare person who by week number two is, is all in with their giving, with their generosity. Typically, we come and we kind of settle in a little bit, and then we get comfortable and we kind of fall into patterns, and, and we need to be maybe jostle just a little bit to ask ourselves the question, am I still where God would have me to be? Maybe you've been around here a long time. Am I still where God would have me to be? He's gotten my attention more than once through the years saying, yeah, I know that you feel comfortable because you've met this standard or that standard, but how about considering it afresh and anew? Or maybe you're on the newer end and you've not quite gotten to the place where, all right, I've been around a while. Yeah, pathways where I go to church and you haven't quite jumped on board just yet. We're in a season where that contemplation would be a helpful one. And I want to ask you to do that. 
I'm not going to ask you that this is the exact amount that you need to give. This is the exact percentage you need to give. I think that's something that you should settle with God. And so that's what I'd ask you to do. Is that you'd pray. If you're married, that you'd talk to your spouse. And just see if you're where God would have you to be. And if he says to you, yes, then by all means, stay where you are. Because what I want for you most is that you would be exactly where God would have you to be. And if he says to you, trust me, I have something more in mind, that you'd trust him. That you'd be willing to jump off into what he has for you. Because what I believe about all of you is that you want to be generous people. And in understanding what we've seen today, we find how we can defeat the I can't thinking or the I won't thinking and move to the place that God would have us to be because the truth is that God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for an example that we can look to, for some clear teaching from the Apostle Paul that we can consider. We know that you're speaking to us, and we just want to be faithful. We want to be generous people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help those of us who get stuck in, I just can't. It's just not there to help us to exercise that generous heart that we have in stepping forward in some way. To move ourselves in the direction of what we know would be obedience to you and to your will and to your word. Lord, give us the courage to trust you. To trust that what you say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows generously will also reap generously to put you to the test, to step in and watch for you to do what you have promised to do. Lord, thank you for that promise that you'll meet all of our needs, that we don't need to be our own security blanket for the future, but that there's wisdom in putting our hope and our trust in you. So Lord, however you would lead us, Whatever it is that you'd call us to do, I pray that we would be people who would respond with faithfulness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.